12 this morning, Romans chapter 12, and uh, my monitor's maybe a touch loud, but not too much, just a touch. Romans chapter 12 this morning. We have by no means abandoned our Sermon on the Mount study. We've just postponed it this morning. I told you we were going to study through it uh, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights unless the Lord changed any direction and then if he did, we'd go right back to it the next time. So Wednesday night, planning on uh, preaching Matthew chapter number five on blessed are the meek. And I was going to preach that this morning. The Lord changed direction. So I, uh, I want to uh, be in Romans chapter 12 this morning. Uh, I'll give you some announcements at the end of the service. Uh, however, uh, I do... I'll be in trouble if I don't do this. It's good to have my mother here this morning. And her husband, our stepfather, Gabe, glad to have them here. This is the first I've seen them. They've been here all weekend and didn't come see me. Isn't that pitiful? No, they invited me. We got in yesterday and uh, and was getting unloaded and getting unpacked and getting ready for today, so... Uh, but good to have them here, and good to have <clears throat> good to have Leela's family here again. Thank you all for being here this morning, and uh, appreciate that. And then this is the Pals' last service with us this morning, and it is a uh, it's a sad time. Uh, I'm 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 not looking forward to seeing him go, but I'm I'm grateful for his service to our country, and for his wife and children's service to our country. Thank you all. Thank you. And uh, I, I bless the Lord for that. And I don't think this will be the last time we'll see them. I believe we'll see them down here, but I know we'll see them over there. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm no prophet, uh, nor the son of one, as the saying goes, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised God's got this family and uh, his military tenure uh, be coming to an end. Before. I wouldn't, I'm not going to, scare y'all to death, but I wouldn't be surprised God just put a big old calling on their life and send them off into the ministry and let them do what they've been doing for our country the last 20 years, for the next 40 years for the Lord. I wouldn't be surprised. And I've already told them, if God ever did that, I'd be happy to be your sending church. You just, you'd, we'd, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you, help you, be happy to do that, hook you up with whoever. If not, uh, certainly not upset about that, but would be happy to do that and help. And anyway, we love them, grateful for them. This will be their last service. So anyways, you make sure you talk to them before they leave. Romans chapter number 12 this morning and uh, uh, the book of Romans. I love the book of Romans and uh, read it, read it, read it, read it. You don't have to understand it all, but read it all and read it again, read it again. If you ever get a hold of the book of Romans and it gets a hold of you, you'll understand the salvation that you have and you'll understand uh, doctrine as it pertains to the church. Uh, Romans is split up in different parts. I'm not going to preach all that this morning, but just for those of you note takers and students that study uh, the word of God, which I hope is all of us, uh, Romans uh, chapter 1 uh, through chapter 3, verse 20, uh, the, the main theme is Paul's dealing with sin. For those three chapters, he starts off with a short salutation, a short greeting, and then from chapter 1 to chapter 3, verse 20, he's dealing with one subject, really, and it's sin. Uh, and it's the sin of the world. And he puts the Jew and the Gentile under sin. He puts the Jew and the Gentile guilty before God. Leaves no excuse. He leaves no way out. There's no one that can say, well, I didn't know. He said, well, thou art inexcusable, old man. Of course, he's talking about thou that judgest another, but really you're a hypocrite. Uh, and he's talking to the Jew, but he's talking to the Gentile. Thou art uh, without excuse. Uh, uh, the, the, the religious Jewish world had, uh, had the, uh, the law and the customs, and they had... Uh, God working on their behalf. Uh, the lost Gentile world that may not have had knowledge of the law 
It said they had a law written in their hearts, the law of God written in their hearts. They have a conscience. They have creation. And he said that was enough to point you to God. God uh, believed that what he created was enough to point man to God and the conscience that he put in you was enough to point you to God. So if you didn't have the, the law and the circumcision and the customs, but you fell under the side that didn't have that, but you had creation and a conscience that the holy, or that the holy God of glory put in you and he made you, he said, you're not without excuse. Are you, uh, you, you're, you're, you have no excuse. You're guilty as a sinner. He puts the whole world guilty as a sinner. Chapter three, verse 21, the subject changes to salvation. And the Lord takes that sinner uh, through the pen of the apostle Paul who is without excuse and no help and no hope and for the next several chapters he shows him how he gets saved. Uh, Chapter three, verse number 21, all the way to chapter five, I think verse number 20, is it in chapter five, verse 20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And he takes those chapters and he says, and here's how you get saved. And it is an operation of faith. You never be good enough. You must be born again. It's an operation of, of grace that comes to you by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He shows you how to be saved. Then Romans chapter six, seven, and eight, uh, the theme or subject is sanctification. Chapters uh, one through verse three and 20, You're a sinner. Chapter number three, verse 21, all the way to chapter five, verse 20. Here's how a sinner gets saved. Can we pause right here and say, aren't you glad that God did not leave the sinner hopeless and helpless, but he gave us a way to be saved. Chapter six, seven, and eight, he shows the sinner who has been saved how to live for God. The subject is sanctification. Now that I'm saved, how do I live like that? Chapter 9, 10, and 11, the subject is really the sovereignty of God in dealing with the nation of Israel. He is showing Israel how he has worked on their behalf to bring about all of these things and how he's not done working in their behalf. He's not put them aside. Now, 90% of y'all won't understand this not because you're ignorant or not because you're, uh, but just because you don't know the issue that people are fighting, but there's a, a doctrine, I believe a false doctrine that's uh, been preached as replacement theology. And they say that the church replaced uh, Israel. I don't believe that because Romans 9, 10, and 11 don't teach that. God said, I'm not done dealing with Israel. I didn't move them aside and replace them with the church. Uh, God's got Israel and God's got a church. And the church was not a second thought. The church was a forethought in the mind of God. The church has always been in God's mind. He's working in the church and he's working in Israel. And one of these days he's calling the church out of here and he's headed back to the little nation of Israel and he's gonna set the whole thing in order and they're gonna get saved. Amen. Then chapter 12. 13, 14, 15, 16, the subject is service. What it looks like for a Christian to serve the Lord. What it looks like in our life as we submit ourselves to the will of God, submit ourselves to the working of God, say yes to God, and what accompanies that. How how that plays out. God don't want to leave you a sinner this morning. I need a better amen than that. God don't want to leave you a sinner. If you're here a sinner this morning who's never been born again, God don't want to leave you a sinner. God doesn't want to leave you a sinner. He wants to save you, but God don't just want to save you from hell. God wants to save you for righteousness, God wants to save you to bring you to himself. God wants to save you to use you to the glory of God. And every time, and I love it, man, I love it. Every time an old, wretched, vile, wicked sinner who was messed up and, and backwards and headed the wrong way, which is all sinners, 
Every time one of us gets saved uh, and put in the family of God, God cleanses our life, changes our life, puts us in church, puts us in the will of God, puts us in the service of the Lord. He has a trophy that he can put in the face of the devil and say, look what you had and look what I got. Look what you thought you had and what you were doing with them. Now look what I've got. Look what I'm doing with them. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm glad to be a little trophy of grace in the hand of God. You say, preacher, I'm not much, neither am I, but the great big old God who's holding me is, and if I can serve him and give him glory for where he brought me from, then that's what I want to do. That's the theme, really, the subject from chapter 12 on, service. Uh, let's, let's read this morning, verse number one, chapter 12. You can stand with me, I guess, if you want. You've been seated for a while. Chapter 12, verse number one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I think the Holy Ghost is right. I think it's reasonable to ask that we submit ourselves to the will of God. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, comma, for I say, comma, through the grace given unto me, what is that grace given unto him? Well, it's grace that saved him. But it's grace that called him and put him into the ministry. And I think he's saying, with the authority given to me by the grace given to me, with the authority given to me by the grace of God that put me in the ministry, uh, Paul said, I thank God that he counted me faithful putting me in the ministry as an apostle. And he's emphasizing that it was grace that gave him the apostleship as an apostle, as an authoritative figure in the church, he said, which was given by grace, I say unto thee, or I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. I think that covers all of us. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, or let love be without hypocrisy. Let it be real. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. We'll stop reading there this morning. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your precious, perfect, holy word. Thank you, God, for your moving and your grace. Lord, thank you that you've helped us thus far this morning in the service. Lord, you've met with us. We've, we've heard your voice. We've felt your presence, and we're grateful for it this morning. Lord, I pray now that you would touch the preaching of the word of God. Use, uh, Lord, this time. Lord, may we... Preach just as long as you'd have us to say what needs to be said, but not overly long, God, that we would uh, exhaust the people. God, help me, I pray. Give me wisdom and discernment to know it. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, I want to preach uh, for a little bit on the thought this morning, uh, members that minister. Uh, members that minister. And, and, and taking the word member from what Paul said in Romans chapter number 12, that we are all members of one body, we're all members one of another, and that God has saved us and called us and put us in this body, uh, and that we do minister one to another 
through the grace that's been given to us by God. Uh, my, my Christian life uh, is not all about me. Uh, your Christian life is not all about you. Uh, our, our, our life is that of service. Sometimes, uh, and I'll use me and my position as a preacher, uh, for example, um, sometimes preachers think that God called them to preach because they were good or talented or they were a step above or beyond others. And the truth of the matter is, is that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, God calls men to preach that he might serve uh, God's church. God loves the church so much that he gave it preachers. God loves the church so much that he gives it singers. God loves the church so much that he gives it people in the church to serve the church because he loves the body. He loves the church. And whatever position you find yourself in this morning, it's not because... Uh, and, and, and don't misunderstand me, God loves me, God loves you, God loves all of us, but it's not because God has just picked us out as extra special, but it's because God thinks his church is extra special and he wants people in the church to serve in the church. What an honor it is. What a, I mean, what a blessed honor it is to be able to do something uh, at the house of God or for the people of God uh, within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse one, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Uh, and just by way of introduction, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give yourself to God. And let me exhort you this morning that that same encouragement, that same exhortation is for you and I this morning. You say, preacher, what's the will of God in my life? i tell you what it is. It's real simple. Give yourself to God in everything you do. Give your life to God. Submit yourself to the will of God. Young people, you say, preacher, I, I want to know what God wants me to do. I'm about to tell you. Y'all ready? Because this is a mystery to most, and most people make the will of God uh, something so mysterious that they're just hunting it down, searching for it, looking for it, trying to find it, and they act like God's uh, got it uh, dangling it and, and, and got it on a fishing line and just trying to see if you can find it uh, or he's hid it somewhere. God's not hid his will. Here's the will of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Here's what the will of God looks like. God, I'm yours, and whatever you want, I'll do. I'll marry who you say marry, and if you tell me not to, I won't do it. God, I'll give what you say give, I'll go where you say go, I'll live, I'll date who you think I should and not who you think that I shouldn't. I'll have friends that are approved by you, and if you don't approve them, then I don't either. Give your bodies. Uh, I can't give uh, stuff that I don't have, but I've got this, and God's letting me use it, and he said, give it to God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Uh, give it to God. And then here's the second uh, verse, and be not conformed to this world. He said, give it to God, and don't give it to the world. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Give it to God, and don't give it to the world. Give, give God your purity. And, and, if, and if you lost it, come tell God, I, I gave it up, I lost it, it's gone. God cleanse me, help me, restore me, and from here on, give what you've got to God and go on in the glory of God. Give God your marriage. Give God your life. Don't give your marriage to the world. Don't give your children to the world. Don't give your mind to the world. Give yourself wholly unto the will of God. And, 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 and he knows what to do with your life better than you do. Give it to him. Give it to him. Uh, give your money to God. Uh, you ought to write a blank check 
This would scare every Baptist in America, but it'll do you good. You ought to write a blank check and put the name God on it and sign it at the bottom and don't put anything in the number section. You say, why? And, and say, God, here's my life. Excuse me. God, here's my life. I've given it a blank check to you. It belongs to you. And anytime you come along and ask me to fill it out, this money I've got belongs to you as well. It's yours. It's yours. I have given this before. I'll tell it again. I'm trying to hurry up and get to my, the meat of my message this morning. But uh, when I moved down here, uh, I had, uh, I had uh, a 92 Ford Ranger that I owned. Uh, I had uh, a little bit of luggage. I moved down here in 05. Uh, had a little bit of luggage in the bed of my truck, and that was it. I, I was 19 years old. I didn't have much of anything. The only thing I did have was the expectation of what I could have uh, in the world that I was living in. Uh, and it wasn't a bad world. There wasn't nothing wrong with it. Sometimes God will ask you to do stuff uh, and to leave stuff that's not necessarily bad. It's not that that was bad. Uh, it's just that God had something better. And I promise you, you'd rather live in God's better than what you're accustomed to if it's different. Uh, I, I loaded up and headed down here and didn't have anything. Nothing. Uh, my wife and I, we struggled for the first several years of marriage. We didn't have anything. We had hand-me-downs. Uh, and, and we, we, I mean, everything was hand-me-down, hand-me-down, hand-me-down. Uh, and it was like three-string hand-me-down. It had been hand, handed down, uh, uh, you know, we were, we were on the, we were on the uh, waiting list. Uh, we were on the third hand me down. It had, it had already been, y'all understand one, it had already been passed down two or three times by the time it got passed down to us. Uh, and furniture not by choice. Uh, antique furniture, uh, but not the kind people go buy and spend good money on. It was the kind they said, no, you take that to the thrift store. Goodwill will take that off your hands. And Goodwill's like, no, we don't need that. <laughs> Sorry, no need, of, no need of a 17-year-old couch. <laughs> we can't give that away. Uh, Hand-me-down. And uh, we didn't have much, didn't have any money. What we did have seemed like God always asked us to give it. And we tried to obey him and do it. Uh, we, we, we struggled along. God took care of us. God met our needs. We rented for most of our time being down here. Uh, I, I guess for 10 years I rented. Somebody, I, I answered to a landlord, uh, which I, uh, I didn't mind necessarily. It's not always a bad thing, but you know, you want to paint your wall, you got to ask somebody. And, and, and that, was, that was life, but it was life in the will of God. And, 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 and it was all right. Uh, we... we uh, we, we struggled with vehicles. Uh, we, we didn't, I didn't make enough money to, to have all the things that I want. And let me say this uh, to you moms and dads who thinks uh, uh, that, that you're, you're, you're not taking care of your children if you don't give them everything that everybody else has got. Uh, it probably will work in their benefit for them to learn to work and to save uh, and to prepare themselves uh, than it will be to hand them everything. Uh, anyway, so I uh, didn't have a whole lot. We didn't have a whole lot. And God blessed us within the last several years. 2015, we bought our house, or 16, we bought our house, uh, the home of our dreams, and God's given us things, and people's poured into us and people's given us uh, I mean I've got stuff and I don't know how I got it and, and really I, sometimes I'm embarrassed to let people see what I got because they're going to think that I'm one of them rich preachers and I'm not. I got less money than most of you probably do if you wanted to check my pockets on my bank account but God's just been good to us I can't explain that. He's just been good to us and I bless his name for it but what I, what I come to the realization was is that there was a time I didn't have anything and God wanted what I had. What about when you get some stuff? I was walking down my driveway. I've already told most of you all this. When I was walking down my driveway uh, just a little while back uh, down that point, 
uh, or that uh, six-tenths of a mile long driveway that puts me way back away from civilization. Praise God. I can't see neighbors. I can't see cars. I have privacy all around. Can I get a witness right there? Hallelujah. I was walking down that long driveway. I was praying and thanking God for all he had given me telling him how blessed I was, how grateful I was, how wonderful he is that he's given me and blessed me beyond measure. I didn't deserve any of it and it was like a ton of bricks. I heard the voice of God say, would you do it again? I said, yeah, God, I'd do it all over again. If I had to go back to nothing and and go back to that point in life, I'd give it all to you. He said, no, I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about now. Would you take everything you've got now? You didn't have anything then, just thought you did. Would you take everything you've got now and give it all to me again? I had to think on it for a little bit, but God's been faithful and so faithful to me. I'll be honest with you, you're gonna think I'm bragging, but it didn't take me long. I said, God, he was still in that prayer meeting. I said, God, uh, you gave it to me the first time. God, you've blessed me beyond measure. And if everything I got, it still belongs to you. You can take it if you want to, so I might as well give it all to you. Give your life to God. Don't give your life to the world. That's the simple message of Romans 12, 1 and 2. But then it goes on and says now how we're supposed to use the gifts that God has given us for us. How, how, how I am to, uh, I'm to give my life to God, surrender my life to God, uh, not surrender my life to the world, uh, be transformed by the renewing of my mind, giving my mind, my body, my soul, my life, everything I've got, put it in his hands. But when it's in his hands, here's what he's gonna want. Paul said, I say unto you, by the grace given unto me, Because I am an apostle that God has called by grace, Paul says, not myself, apostles apostles are uh, are those who saw Christ, that's why I don't believe there's any left today because they've not seen Christ. There's a lot of them claim to be apostle so-and-so, but my question would be, did you see Christ? Uh, But because of my authority, because of my position, Paul said, here's what I want to exhort you. And he gives three exhortations to the members of the body of Christ that are serving the Lord. Verse number three. Y'all ready to see them this morning? For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. I guess he leaves no exclusions. If you're part of the body of Christ, you're part of this exhortation. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Here's the first. He gives us three exhortations on how to be members that minister. Number one if you're going to be a member that ministers to the body of Christ with the gifts that God has given you, number one, you'll need a humble estimation. A humble estimation. If I'm going to serve at Crossroads Baptist Church as your preacher, this is not for you and and excluding me. This is for me and bringing you into it as well. If I'm going to serve as a preacher, I'm going to serve in the ministry. If I'm going to serve uh, in the mission field, if I'm going to serve in the choir, if I'm going to serve in the Sunday school, if I'm going to serve in any capacity uh, to the body of Christ, and I'll need one thing, uh, I'll need a humble estimation of myself. He said, uh, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought but to think soberly. You need a humble estimation. 
Now let me explain this this morning and, and move on quickly. And I, I am doing the best I can. It's 1210. I'll, I'll be done shortly. I will. I really will. Sometimes we think that God's using us because he looked around and couldn't find anybody better to do the job than us. And so he said, you're the best one I got for this job. Come over here, my little special pet. And he rubs our head and he loves us tenderly, thank God. You come over here and you don't tell nobody, but you're better than them other people you go to church with. And uh, the reason I called you to do this job is because you're, you're a little higher than the rest. And the truth of the matter is, is Paul said, I'm an apostle, which is an exalted office, a, a church leader, a, a, a church administrator, or administrator, and, and he said, uh, uh, but what I am, I am by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God, and I'm speaking to you because of the grace that has been given. If I'm an apostle, it's because I've been given grace. It's not because of who I am. It's not because of what I do. It's because of who God is, and he chose me to be a servant in this uh, realm. It was a gift that was given to me for you. God gives a gift so that the receiver of that gift can give that gift to others in the church. How many of you would agree that it is a gift that God puts on a man when he calls him to preach? God gives him a gift and it's a calling of God. Wouldn't you agree with that? But how many also would agree that it is a gift to the church when God calls a man to preach? He gives that man a gift. It is a calling of God on his life. But he gives that man that gift that that man might administer that gift to the hearers, that he might administer that gift to the church. God don't call that man to put him on a mountain by himself. God don't call that man to put him in a basement by himself. God calls that man that through that man's gifts he might minister gifts to the church. And how dare that man whether it be me or you or any other, think more highly of himself than he ought to think when what he's got, he only got at the hand of God. What he is, he only is by the grace of God. What he does, he can only do by the help of God and the hand of God. He said, I want you to know that if you're gonna minister to the church, if you're gonna help God's people, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But here's what you need. You need a humble estimation. I am what I am by the grace of God. Uh, you know how I know we don't have that most of the time? Because we think the world revolves around us and everybody should do it the way we're doing it and should do it the way that we approve or that they are not equivalent to us and that's furthest thing from the truth that can be. When it comes to doctrine, I'm not talking about doctrinal matters. When it comes to doctrine, I believe you ought to line up with the word of God. When it comes to doctrine, I believe you ought to stand flat-footed on the word of God and not sway or move or compromise. But when it comes to how you perform your gift, it comes to how you... Life to glorify God, it is, it, is, uh, it is insane to expect other people within the same body to use you as the measurement of which they ought to be and condemn them if they don't come up to your measurement. Last time I checked, you're not the measurement. A little announcement Pastor Josh Williams, I hope you admire and respect me and love me. I'm glad to be your pastor, but I'm not the measurement. I'm not who we're living up to be. There's one a whole lot higher than you. There's one a whole lot higher than me. His name's Jesus Christ. He's the measurement that we are measuring up to. How do we get in the way 
and think that when people don't live up to us, I tell you how, you think more highly of yourself than you ought. And I don't care how gifted you are, your gifts are not ministering to the church when you think, number one, that you deserve them. And number two, when you think that everybody else is unqualified because they can't do it like you do it. I'll let you know another little secret. Sometimes people are not as good at doing something as you are, but they're better at doing it than you are. We say, that sounds like a riddle. They're not as good at doing the thing as you are, but they're better at it than you are. You may be over. I mean, you may, be, you may have more qualifications. You may have enough qualifications they could write a book about your qualifications. But somebody comes along and they're full of grace and love and God and they just want to please the Lord and they're, they're, they're humble in their self-estimation probably will go further than the person who could actually do it best but knows it. When I... Man... We've all got pride. Don't act like you don't. Eat, slam up with it. But when I used to think I was a great preacher, I couldn't get much done. What made you think you was a great preacher? Because one, one day God put his hand on me and I thought it was me. And because my grandma said, that's the best preacher I ever heard. And I believed her because she never had lied to me. And then church members and people would say, brother, that's a good preaching. Oh, that's good preaching. Woo, we ain't heard nothing like that. And they've been telling that to everybody they ever run it. They don't remember last week's message. It's easy to say that's the best preaching I ever heard when you can't tell me what you heard last week. That's the best one. Next one will be too. Not to think more highly of himself than he ought. I tell you what I am this morning at Crossroads Baptist Church. I'm a servant. I tell you what you are this morning at Crossroads Baptist Church. You are a servant. And if you have the mentality that you must be served, that people need to do because you say, and people need to do this because that's what you expect, you have missed the mark. Servant. And you're not self made. Whatever you are, you are by grace. Whatever you have, you have by grace. Whatever you can do, you can do by grace. And not only are you not self made, but you're not solo. You say, what do you mean by that? Look in verse number three. I'm sorry, verse four. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. There's a whole lot of people just like you. You're not alone. You're, you're, you're one of many. You're one that belongs to a body that is, uh, that is made up of many members. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Let me, let, let me explain this a little bit better this morning. Don't overvalue yourself. Well, I'm just the only one who can do it. No, you're not. You just won't get out of the way to let somebody else learn how to do it. Well, I'm just the only one who cares. No. There's people before you and after you who cares as much as you do. I think that was what Elijah thought. Lord, I'm all alone. I'm the only one serving you. God's uh, pretty sure you're not that smart. And I got, was it 7,000 more? Wasn't it 7,000 more? Just like you. Waiting in the wings. Ready to go. 
you're not alone. I got an army of 7,000 that's just as qualified, just as ready, just as willing, just as able as you are. You know why Elijah thought that? Because he had a self-estimation that was too high and it needed to be brought down. God don't have to use me. He can get somebody else to do what I'm doing. God don't have to use you. He can get somebody else to do what you're doing. And if you are being used, you're being used because God is being gracious and he's allowing you as unworthy as you are to do something. He's allowing you as undeserving as you are to do something. That probably ought to make us quit complaining about what we get to do and start rejoicing that I get to serve God. He don't owe it to me. I ain't even that good at it, but God's being gracious to me. Humble estimation. I'm not self-made. I'm not solo or alone. Don't overvalue yourself. And listen to me. Don't undervalue others. One thing I had to learn as a pastor was delegation. When I took Crossroads Baptist Church, and I know most of y'all think the preacher, hopefully you don't, most people think the preacher eats fried chicken all week long, sleeps in till 12, uh, goes golfing with his buddies, and, and then studies on Saturday evening so he can be ready for Sunday. Uh, I wish. I mean, it don't sound bad. I just ain't figured out how to do it. I wish I could live up to your expectations. I tell you what, when I took Crossroads Baptist Church, I thought I was the only one who could do stuff. I wouldn't let nobody paint because I'm a good painter. I can take that paintbrush and I learned how at Crossroads Baptist Church, you see all of this, the first time it got painted, me and my brother Caleb painted it. I let somebody paint one time and they painted out of the lines and I said, no, never mind. no, y'all are fired. Here's what I've learned, put down tape and, and tarps. And, and just tape it up real good for them. They're sloppy, but, you know, it beats having to do it yourself. I wouldn't let nobody paint because they couldn't paint as good as I I wouldn't let nobody mow. They couldn't mow as good. I tried letting a little old lady I didn't want to let the little old lady mow. I was upset about it, but she was insistent on She enjoyed mowing. She wanted to mow for the Lord. I, and her and her husband, I said, well, have at it. And, and they dropped that blade down to half an inch, buddy. And I'm talking about the grass was normally about three inches. They dropped it down to half an inch, and it was wet. And you know what happens when you take grass from three inches to half an inch, and it's wet? I mean, there was clods in our yard for six months. I said, well, never again. I come out here with a 36-inch walk-behind mower. And I thought, well, I'm going to mow this place myself because can't nobody make lines in the yard like me. I'm just that good. I really am in my estimation. And I walked this whole six acres at the time. It was six acres. Uh, it's more than that now in the woods. But I walked the whole six acres with a walk behind mower. It took me all day long. And I said, all right, I am resigning from yard mowing. Whatever was done, I was in the middle of it. Whatever was going on, I had to have my hand on it. I had to make sure that, that it was up to this code or that code or my. And what I had to realize this morning is that not everybody's gonna do it like me, but I'm not the epitome of how it needs to be done. And what really needs to happen is there are people that have the ability to do stuff and it'll take stress off of you and bring fulfillment in their life if you'll let people serve God. Even here at the good old Crossroads Baptist Church, there are people who've got a hold of stuff and they don't want to let go of any of it. And you're depriving other people of being able to do what they need to do to serve God. I'm not by myself. I'll tell you something else too. I could not do the the gift that God had actually called me to do efficiently and effectively while I was trying to do other people's gifts that they were qualified to do. This ain't no self-help seminar, but this is Bible preaching this morning. And I'm trying to hurry. If 
God has gifted you and called you and given you a platform and an opportunity to do something, why don't you do that and quit trying to have your hand in everything everybody else is doing? And I'm not talking to them. You don't have to do this this morning, but I won't in your, take your little point and, and turn it around and point right at yourself and say, he's talking to me. What am I doing? And see, I'm not, I'm not saying you quit doing what God's called you to do. I'm saying you quit doing what God hadn't called you to do that you're doing that other people need to be a part of. You need a humble estimation. I'm not self-made. I'm not solo. I'm not supreme. Look at verse number five. For we are all, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of another. Notice that in Christ. Christ is the measurement. Christ is the exaltation. And we're just many in one. You're not the head of the youth group. We don't need a head of the youth group, young people. You want to be a leader? Then lead by being a servant. You're not large and in charge. Quit being bossy. I, I, I want to say this this morning, and I'm going to get myself in trouble. But men, some of you ought to be embarrassed that you let your wife be so bossy and you do nothing about it. I love my wife, and I, I know it's going to sound offensive. Y'all going, but we would have a talk when we get home. And ladies, you ought to be embarrassed that you feel that you are the ruler supreme. Oh, it's quiet in here. I knew it would be. I knew it would be. I knew it. Well, my wife, she's the great Christian in our home. Then step up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Step up. I let her make all the spiritual decisions. Then get in line with the word of God. Ma'am, you're a servant. Sir, you're a servant. I'm a servant. And anytime I forget that, it's because I have estimated my value. I've estimated myself higher than that which it should be. And you believe me when I tell you I have done that on many occasions. Don't they know I'm the pastor? Don't they know I am the distinguished pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church? Get over yourself. You're a servant of servants in the house of God. That what would have been in hell, deserved to be in hell, should have been in hell, was going to be in hell, and Jesus come by and saved you, and you're nobody apart from him, and anything you get to do, you get to do to the glory of God and do it to the glory of God. Humble estimation. Has this been too hard on us this morning? Let's just finish it. We can do it quickly. A helpful encouragement. If you're going to minister to the man of Christ, you need a humble estimation. You need a helpful encouragement. Paul exhorts us with a helpful encouragement. Verse 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. All of these gifts, and I think it's 1 Corinthians 12 where, where, where Paul lays out the gifts at Corinth. And all of these gifts are not to make you special. 
They're to make the body supplied. God gifted you not to make you stand out supreme and special above everybody else, standing head and shoulders above everyone. God gifted you that you make the body of Christ supplied with what it needs. If you've been given a job, do your job. And recognize that the other people in here have jobs and they're different than yours. But they're just as valuable, they're just as important, and they're just as needed to make this work. And why God gave you that job? So you could help that one that you're so mad at. Why God gave you that job? So you could help that one you're so disappointed in. Why God gave you that job? Is so that you could encourage that one that has discouraged you. Why God gave you that job is so that you could help along the way others who don't have the job that you have. and recognize that they have jobs that you don't have. They have gifts that you don't have. And where you might excel in one area, you're pitiful in another. But where you're pitiful might just be where they excel. And God put both of you, or all three of you, or four of you, or all of you, in the same place together so that we have everything that we need. Here's what you usually end up with, and that's what Paul's exhorting and warning against. Don't think too highly of yourself. God gave you that gift so you could administer it to the people of God. Don't walk around touting your gift and putting down other people's lack. Recognize they got just as much going for them. And oh, by the way, Jesus loves them just as much as he does you. I don't know how long I had been saved when I figured that one out, Brother Chris. But I'm going to tell you the truth. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> that one stabbed me in the heart to tell you. Sorry. I figured it out, but it wasn't that long ago. I was complaining to a preacher about a situation that involved some people and all I was saying was on and on and on and on they didn't do this and they didn't do this and they didn't do this and they didn't do this I don't know how they can be right with God you don't know how they can be right with God because you're mad at them I, I'm sorry, I, I think we're mistaken who God is. The preacher said, don't you ever forget though, the Lord loves them as much as he loves you. I said, oh yeah, I know, I know, I know, yeah, I know. That's what we say when we don't know, but we don't want, oh yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Uh-huh. Right, 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 right. And when he got done and I got off the phone and the Holy Ghost said, you want to talk about that a little bit? No, Lord, I wouldn't really want to talk to you about it. I just want to talk to him about it. <laughs> Most of us don't want to talk to God about any of it. This is why we call people. I was going to talk to the Lord about this, but I figured I'd rather talk to you, so that's why I called him. I didn't have to talk to God. <laughs> I was riding down the road debating on who I was going to talk to this about and I thought about God but I thought he's probably busy and stuff. So I called, I called you. Knew you'd want to know. <laughs> uh, I'm having fun now. Let's get back to preaching. Nearly done. Really am. And the Holy Ghost said, I mean just clear. I love them just as much as I do love you. 
And I died for them just as much as I died for you. And I saved them just as well as I saved you. And I care for them. I mean the same blood that flowed down his side for me, he flowed down his side for them. The same grace that took him to the cross for me is the same grace that took him to the cross for them. Make sense? Helpful encouragement. Lastly, done. There's an honoring exaltation. Verse nine, let love be without dissimulation. And again, that word really, hypocrisy, dissimulation, hypocrisy. Love without hypocrisy, love without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. He said, if you want to minister to the members of Christ and the body of Christ, then let everything that you do be with this mentality. I want to honor and prefer you. You know what it means to be preferred? It means to put first. Put first. Are you hearing me this morning? Put first. You're above me. Not not in a public manner so that everyone can say, look who's really above. But in a living manner. I'm ministering to this body to bring you above me. Preferring you. Putting you first. That'll save your marriage. The reason why your marriage is on the rocks this morning is because you prefer you. The reason why some of you, and, and you come in here, and, and you've got your tie on, you've got your church clothes on, you've got all, your, you, you settled it in the car, all right, we're not gonna fight until church is over. Smile. I ain't smiling at you. You don't have to smile at me, smile at other people. All right. You come in here, oh, how I love Jesus. Some of you, some of you can't hide it at all. I can tell when you've been fighting. You need to get right with your spouse, sir. Ma'am, you need to get right with your husband. It's written all over your face. But most people, they're good at hiding. You go get back in the car and you're fighting again. You fought all week long. You're mad and you're, and you're, my wife is this, my husband is this. And what the problem is this morning is you still prefer you. Brothers and sisters fighting at home. Siblings fighting. Church members fighting. I'll tell you why this morning. Is you really like you. You really, really, really like you. You want to win. You want to win. You want to win. You want to be on top. You want to be preferred. You want to be served. You want people to know who you are. But if you want to live for God within the gifts that minister to the people of God, what you need is a humble estimation of yourself. You need a helpful encouragement that comes from you and you need uh, you need an honoring exaltation that says I prefer you over me and I'm going to live my life that way I'll give you an example of it and I'll be done Philippians two examples the greatest example Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. That is preferring one another. Jesus, who is God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, on the same level with God, on the same page with God, on the same state with God, but he made himself a servant. He took on himself the form of a servant. You know why he did that? Because he loved the church. He loved the sinner. He preferred you. Jesus put himself below so he could put you up. Here's an illustration that you'll understand as well. 
And it's getting harder and harder to understand it because you don't see much of it like you used to. But a mother. She gives up her life. Because children come into her world. and She sets all that aside. And she prefers them children. She may still even work. Everything she's doing is for them now. She goes shopping. She used to spend all that money on her. Now she's buying baby clothes. And bottles. And them kids. I, I always get amazed. My wife, she'll say, I bought them. I went shopping. I said, what'd you get? Well, I got the boys this and got them this and got you this. I said, what'd you get? Oh, I didn't find me nothing. Spent all day. And she don't spend all day often, but when spent all day out there and you got all of us and you didn't get you nothing. No, I didn't get me nothing. I tried some stuff on I didn't like, but I got y'all this, 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 and that. Mother. My life was all about me until you came into it. Now it's all about you. God said, you want to minister to the church? Young people have to grow into this kind of maturity. That's why they're such a blessing. They're, such a, they're, they're willing to serve. They want to do something. They want to be a part of something. And in the middle of it, it's like wrangling. Ha, ha, get back over there. Y'all help me now. Wrangling cattle. Get out of, get, get back over there. No, you can't have it all. And life and Christ, if you'll let him, will teach you maturity. He says, you know, it ain't all about me. And you don't have to tell people that. Just come to the piano. Just do that. Preferring one another. Lord, you've done some preaching this morning. I haven't, but you have. I believe it. Lord, we can take this home with us. Lord, not I, but Christ. That's more than a Christian cliche. That's a Christian characteristic. I pray you'd help us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Christ's name, amen.